Hi everyone and welcome to the Sweet Spot on a Farm, episode 47, part 2. If you didn't catch the first part of this episode, I recommend you go back and listen to it. My guest is a psychologist and food disorder and nutrition specialist, Claire Feldman. We talked about the dangers of the diet culture and food disorders. We finished the episode talking about self-care and that's where we're going to pick up today. We'll also talk about food shaming and obsessive behaviors around eating. Self-care, it comes up so very often. Mm. And I think a lot of us are so incredibly bad at that. And again, it comes down to the busy, fast-paced lives. Mm -hmm. We we tend to be leading and we don't seem to be taking a step back and and stop for a while and, and really make sure that we're all right yeah and we it seems like we we're very counterproductive in this because unless we are healthy and and well mm-hmm. uh surely we can't be strong enough and and have enough energy to do all the busy things that we're doing on a daily basis whether it's looking after family or doing or working on our career or studying or whatever mm-hmm. it is or if somebody's uh, uh, athletes to 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 make sure their performances are we don't seem to um realize that actually taking a step back and eating well and relaxing and making sure that we sleep enough all these self-care things are the very thing we need to be doing in order to be able to do everything else yeah i think sometimes as women we can be terrible people pleasers so if we are people pleasers, we, we maybe are running around for other people and doing for other people and trying to be the best mum and the best wife or the best partner or the best employee. Um, but we're always giving and giving and giving and giving. And when we're always in giving mode to other people, we don't think about applying that to ourselves so it does seem very logical and very rational that we need to look after ourselves better but if it's if it's part of our personality type that we prioritize other people before ourselves then it doesn't come naturally to a lot of people and I suppose that's maybe where seeing a specialist and seeing a Mm -hmm. therapist that can help them Mm -hmm. to get to that point becomes quite important and incredibly helpful yeah absolutely um let's move on to another thing that I would like to talk to you about then. Jane and I talk a bit about food or diet shaming. What is your take on it and have you come across anything like that in practice where maybe your clients were shamed by other people or made feel guilty by other people pointing at what they're eating? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a big problem with that is social media because people um, people gain a confidence to say things on social media that they would never say to an individual's face. So I think people um, become keyboard warriors at times on social media where they feel that it's their place to make judgments, pass comments on people that they don't even know. Um, because they're doing it behind the safety of a device. Um, so I think that that is a huge issue. Um, with regards to clients, yeah, I think um, I've had lots of clients that have experienced, you know, they're trying to turn their back on dieting, they're trying to eat foods that they enjoy, and people 
around them who have been ingrained in dieting mentality will say really unhelpful things like, do you know how many calories are in that? And it's just like the worst thing that you could possibly say to someone who has a real history of disordered eating is to make comments like that. Um, and the person is saying it thinking that they're being helpful and not realising just how unhelpful that is and actually that they probably quite probably have their own issues with calorie obsession. Um, so yeah, I think we all, um, we can get too passionate about our own beliefs around food and we can get too passionate about our own thoughts about what the best way to eat is and what the healthiest way to eat is or what the best diet is for weight loss um, or for the environment that we get too passionate with our own beliefs and then when we try to impose them on other people what it actually does is causes other people distress and guilt and uh, you know and it's just it's not helpful and I think that um people people I think just need to mind their own business <laughs> when it comes to eating it's none of our business how other people eat or how other people choose to live and if that means that you're vegetarian or you're vegan that's absolutely fine if that means that you follow a keto lifestyle that's absolutely fine you know you do whatever you want but I think just don't try and impose those judgments onto other people I will not be a hypocrite and admit that I have in the past done my fair share of that before mm -hmm. realizing that actually my passion may be detrimental to yeah. somebody else um, and and often actually people I think do um, do this with good intention it's yeah, just a really absolutely. long way going about it yeah if you're really passionate about something because and I think this is what happens an awful lot that say for example you have turned your life around that you've lost a lot of weight or you've gotten you know really healthy or you've gotten rid of a health condition by changing your diet you're going to be so passionate about it that you're going to want to share that with people that absolutely and you know is how everybody should yeah. be doing it and that's the problem that's <laughs> yeah. the problem the message then that goes out is you should all be doing this but actually for the person person receiving them maybe they should not you know, be be doing that. It's great that it's been fantastic for you, but it doesn't mean that it's right for for that that person. Um, but you know, I can understand when you're passionate about something and when it's been really helpful for for you personally that you want to share it with other people. But it just may, and the other person just may not be in that place. And if somebody's not in that place, you're never going to be able to drag them <laughs> there. So it's just about that appreciation that everybody's journey is different. And if they're not at your point, then that's fine. There'll be plenty of people who, who are on your wavelength. There'll be plenty of people who are part of that community and who are interested. But if if somebody's not there with you and they're not at that that part in their journey, you're not going to be able to, to bring them what you're more likely to do, I think, is just distance them and, and push them further away it makes me cringe when i hear people like with with the rise on, on um of vegetarianism and veganism it makes me really cringe when people say things like we all need to be vegan or we mm. all should eat 100% plant-based diet or we all need to be vegetarian we all need to do this or even we all need to do keto we all need to do this mm -hmm. 
we all can't do this because mm -hmm. we are all very differently built. Mm -hmm. We have we have different genetics, mm -hmm. um, and we'll have different metabolism. Mm -hmm. We are all different types. We all have different health backgrounds, different mm -hmm. health issues, and it just is not going to work for everybody the same mm -hmm. way. And uh, one thing is to be pushing for a healthier lifestyle, so people are healthier. So the environment we live in is mm -hmm. getting healthier. So our our planet is getting healthier yeah. it's one thing to be saving planet and saving our health and another thing to impose mm -hmm. something Personal on other people mm -hmm. and actually making somebody ill because of it, or somebody making themselves ill because mm -hmm. they feel guilt tripped into eating certain way or, or yeah. live in certain way and i it really drives me crazy that people do not recognize the danger in yeah. it and um Social media are definitely a bad place for this mm -hmm. kind of because, as you said, people feel the safety net of mm -hmm. anonymity and and a, being behind a device and mm -hmm. and um, even even when they don't remain anonymous, even when they feel like they can publicly push mm -hmm. this on everybody else, all this finger pointing and it, it just really doesn't seem helpful to me. And I I can totally see how people can have a massive breakdown because they feel mm -hmm. shamed into eating meat or even on the other side people I have witnessed people being shamed mm -hmm. like people on plant-based I vegans being shamed oh yeah. you're crazy you're vegan oh, yeah. people should not be vegan well, it's not healthy well actually yeah. it can be healthy for yeah. some people so yeah. why would you judge somebody for being vegan when mm -hmm. actually what they're doing is is helping them and actually really helping environment yeah. like you should be rooting for them not discouraging them and if it becomes a health issue then they will discover themselves and they will deal with that accordingly but yeah. why shame somebody for the way they're eating if it really works yeah. for them and i think that that is where so much confusion does come from because you could find you know a million research articles that'll tell you that veganism is the healthiest way to live and eat and then you could probably find a whole load that will support keto as being an incredibly healthy way so I think that you know there is no one perfect way to eat I think there is things that are common in any way that is that we don't eat enough fiber and that we could all do with eating more fruit and vegetables and I think that applies pretty much to most of the population but as for whether we should be vegan or whether we should follow any other particular way of eating I think it's all very much individual and, and personal choice and you know finding a way of eating that makes you feel good and appropriately nourished but that not, doesn't necessarily have to prescribe to a prescriptive way of of eating if you had a piece of advice for somebody who's experienced food shaming mm -hmm. what would it be and then if you have a piece of advice for somebody who is on the other side who food shames whether it's with good intentions or not so good intentions what would it be um, well, I think probably for everybody is think before you post something. Um, and I know that it's very difficult because, again, if you're very passionate about something, but just to try and have a little bit of a consciousness before you post something, is it actually helpful? And if it's not helpful information, then question what's the benefit in posting it. Um, for people who have being um, a victim of sh uh, shaming around food again I think it's very important to surround yourself with 
the right um, the right kind of support. So again, it comes back to removing people from removing people, removing pages from your social media that perhaps aren't um, aren't good for you, that don't give you the right kind of support that you need, or that make you feel bad about the choices that you make. Look for variety in your social media feed. Um, look for people who inspire you, who make you feel good, who bring you know make you smile. Posts that make you feel happy. Um, I would encourage you probably to do more of that. But I think it's a very difficult time when you're trying to, you know, you're on your own journey of recovery from something like an eating disorder. I just think you have to be incredibly. Um, stringent around who you have in your inner circle and and what kind of messages you allow yourself and there's some of it you have no control over unfortunately but there is a certain amount that you do have control over and I'd say the most important thing that you can have control over is who you spend your time with and what you allow to appear on your social media feeds. Maybe a social media detox once in a while yeah, wouldn't be a good idea. Yeah, and that's a great idea. To it's gain perspective. Mm -hmm. And live in the real world, I guess, because we, we, we do tend to live, and certainly a lot of people I know tend to be glued to their social media, mm -hmm. and there's a whole world outside. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm guilty of that as well, so <clears throat> I need to do more streamlining of my own social media. <laughs> but it is, it's, um, it's addictive. We're all addicted to it. You know, we all get that. That, that same dopamine hit that we get from food we get that from social media as well when we get notifications and when we get likes it releases dopamine in the brain as well so we want we want more so absolutely we need to detox ourselves they from knew what they bit. were doing when they developed these absolutely things. absolutely they did <laughs> <laughs> um so talking about lifestyle and food and eating um claire what is your own lifestyle like and what is your own diet like? um i'm very relaxed i've done you know all because i have my own personal experience with it i have gone through all of these phases in previous years of you know doing i remember at one point trying out whole 30 and paleo and all and all of these things but um my experience now has taught me that um the best way for me to eat is in a way where I'm eating foods that I enjoy, that I have a, a consciousness around nutrition and trying to get a balanced diet and trying to get variety, and um, but I don't sweat over it. <laughs> I don't sweat over it because I don't think there's any such thing as the perfect diet. So I will have weeks where I'm better and I'll spend Sunday doing meal prep and I'll make soups and I'll prep lunches and I'll, I'll feel invincible and feel fantastic and then I'll have other weeks where I just haven't quite managed it and, and I'm okay with it. I don't give myself, I basically don't give myself a hard time over any food choices I make and that would be my, uh, my recommendation for anybody is you know, you should not be feeling guilt or shame over anything attached to food. It's not an emotion that belongs with any food choices you make. So I do what I can to eat well, to eat a balanced diet. Um, I have days where I do follow plant-based um, meals. That's not, it's not every day, but maybe three or four days I do that just because I personally find um, the meals delicious um, and I love the fact that there's so much more focus maybe on herbs and spices and flavouring 
with those kind of dishes but equally occasionally I have a takeaway and I do and I eat chocolate and I do all these normal things and I don't give myself any grief over it at all um, I exercise um, regularly probably four or five times a week I train but I train for my mental health I don't train for weight loss I train in an all-female gym that has fabulous members that I love going to see and having a laugh with so it's a social thing for me and um, because I'm self-employed the only human other humans I see are my clients so um, it's it's my social life as well going to the gym is my social life but there I go to a gym that's fantastic that it doesn't have any mirrors in it so there's no there's no attention placed on aesthetics it's very much you go to train to have fun and um, and improve your fitness um, so yeah, that's that's my lifestyle. I've taken up much more yoga recently um, since the new year. That's been something I've been really enjoying. Um, I wouldn't consider myself to be a yogi, but I um, I've really loved um, doing new practices. Now on a Saturday morning, um, I do a practice, and it's just it's been such a lovely way for me just to switch off my mind and find real relaxation and find that kind of that flow state that they talk about in yoga so um, I'm really enjoying that so yeah that's that's kind of what my my lifestyle looks like. I have to go back to something you said there um, um you said that you tried all the paleo and mm-hmm. this and that and I actually I wonder what your take on it is because I find that whilst for some people this can be the sort of diet approach that is mm-hmm. not very healthy i find that if you approach it with a healthy mind mm-hmm. it can be actually a really good way trying different things to figure out what really works for you yeah in terms of what to eat and maybe what not to eat what makes your body feel good what makes yeah. your body not feel so good yeah absolutely because at that time whenever i was i was following that sort of paleo diet um um I was doing that because at the time I was training at a CrossFit gym and it was very much the you know how CrossFitters tended to eat what I can what I probably didn't recognize at the time and what I can see totally now is that it was not right for me in terms that I I just didn't recognize I was eating far too much meat and it was not agreeing with my stomach <laughs> um, at all and I just I can see now I wasn't consuming anywhere near enough fiber that I, I should have been so um, I think yeah you know trying out these different things can be a good way of finding what works for me what doesn't work um, for me and and finding I suppose that that sweet spot for yourself and I suppose that's that's the place that I'm in now and even you know even when I was training and doing the nutrition training a few years ago it can be very easy to get swept into perfection it can be very easy to get swept into feeling this need to and sometimes the more information you know that it's not a good thing um you know because it can get you caught into this oh gosh i must do everything you know everything must be organic and everything must be washed in you know apple cider vinegar you know it could be and i must soak my pulses and my grains and and all of that stuff is yes it's it is i you know that is kind of idealist kind of stuff but it can be very easy to get swept into that 
perfectionist obsession around and then it makes you food. stressed and, and actually, I find stress. that the stress is more yeah, dangerous to your health than absolutely. actually not soaking your seeds overnight. Absolutely. And I probably, before before I was doing this, what I'm doing now, I probably could have been on the edge of that, I think, as well. Um, because the more knowledge, I, you know, the more information I had about nutrition, the more I started, you know, seeing those kind of perfectionist tendencies coming in um thankfully i don't have any of those now but it, it is so easy and I suppose something that we didn't really touch on is that that's where behaviors like orthorexia can come from where people then become obsessive about the need to be doing everything perfectly and and be eating an incredibly clean healthy organic um whole food kind of diet and that that equally cannot be healthy when it then brings on huge levels of stress it is the danger of knowing too much. Knowing Sometimes too much. That you, you touched on it before mm-hmm. that there is so much information out there and a lot of it is conflicting that you sometimes don't know which is right and then you want to do everything correctly and mm-hmm. I definitely was in that place for yeah. quite a while when I was literally obsessed. I would stand until midnight in the kitchen soaking all my seeds and prepping mm-hmm. everything so it's all perfect. Mm-hmm. And then I would, a, I wouldn't get enough sleep because I would be obsessing about all this being perfect. Mm-hmm. And then I would be stressed. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't do this. I didn't do, oh, my food needs to be like this. And it's not like that. Oh, oh what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And then you're so stressed. And then it's the stress when you're traveling or when I travel. I can't soak my seeds. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. And then you become so stressed. That actually, no matter how much mm-hmm. good food you put in the body, this stress override it's all, and mm-hmm. you are not healthy. It's yeah. not healthy, yeah. and it took me a good couple of years to steer away from that and recognize that mm-hmm. I really need to chill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I teetered, I teetered on the edge of that myself, and I remember, you know, feeling guilty about buying chickpeas in a can because that must be terrible. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yes, yeah. I've been there. I've totally been there. And yes, it is. And, and it is, as you say, like the more research you mm-hmm. do, the more you're learning, mm-hmm. the more you can get swept into this kind of thing. Absolutely. And, then and it's, this is where the, um, you know, where we talked about food shaming is that when you then get so caught up in the clean eating and, and the organic and, you know, and, and, the, this being the right way to eat and this being essential for, you know, this is how everybody should eat, that when you cling on so much to that, you actually end up isolating yourself, I think, an awful lot from other people and that you can um, you can get into these food shaming then conversations. And then I suppose that um, we are our worst enemy as well. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. actually often, and I did talk about it before, that we often shame ourselves. And that's, that's I suppose, that's the shame and guilt that you talk yeah. about with relation to yeah. other food disorders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think we put a lot of restrictions and shame and guilt on ourselves very mm-hmm. often, and that is what's really dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, guilt and shame are not emotions that belong with food choices guilt and shame are emotions that belong with wrongdoing <laughs> i.e you've killed somebody <laughs> it's appropriate to feel guilt um it's not appropriate to feel guilt about eating a can of chickpeas or eating a chocolate bar you know guilt and shame are not appropriate emotions to attach to food choices 
Talking about chickpeas or chocolate bar, mm-hmm. um, we talked about plant based and vegetables mm-hmm. and and fruits and fiber. Do you have a favorite vegetable? Um, the I suppose my favorite vegetable is one that that doesn't actually quite agree with me, but I still eat it sometimes because I do really love it. Is aubergine? I love aubergine. Anything that has aubergine in it, curries, slow cooked curries, and stuffed <laughs> big stuff aubergine. Um, last week we get Hello Fresh. Um, we get three of our meals, so our plant based meals would be Hello Fresh because they're just their their meals are so delicious. And I had miso, is it miso soaked aubergine tacos? They were delicious, absolutely. And I could never come up with that recipe myself. I could never create something like that myself, which is why Hello Fresh we do three nights a week because they just tend to produce the most amazing flavors so yeah aubergine would be my my one that i really like you know what i ate before i came here Mm -hmm. to talk to you i had moroccan paprika aubergine oh lovely (laughs) gorgeous delicious yeah that would definitely something like that would be up there as my favorite my favorite vegetable my favorite plant-based meal and that's why i'm definitely introducing more and more plant-based meals yes because of obviously the environmental impact but I think the meals are just delicious because so much more focus goes on flavour, um, and and um, I'm really enjoying those kind of those kind of meals. So yeah. So do, would you have a favourite recipe with around aubergine? I couldn't if it, if I was going to give you one, it would be the one that I had last week, the the aubergine tacos. But because it was hello fresh and not my own, <laughs> I don't have the recipe, um, unfortunately. But um, yeah, and anything with anything with. Um, aubergines and tomatoes I tend to love so I do love like um, lots of chopped up veg tomatoes onion courgettes all stuffed inside an aubergine and baked in the oven with some kind of like a crumb coating on the top that's really nice I like that (laughs) and lots of garlic there must always be lots of garlic in things that I'm eating as well that sounds amazing. What would yeah. you normally put on top? Um, I would sometimes put, you could put even just like a little bit of breadcrumbs and a little bit of even grated cheese or something on the top of it and just bake it in the oven, give it a little crumb topping. So that's very that's, nice. Or seeds is what I'm thinking. You could actually. do that, yeah. Oh absolutely, God. absolutely. So yeah, we stuffed aubergine, goes down a tree as well. <laughs> oh my God, that sounds so good. Do you put any oil on it when you're baking or do you just... Um, yeah, you could just do it. Well, I suppose it's um, you. You probably put a little bit of. I tend to use olive oil for something like that. Yeah, drizzle a little bit of olive oil on that. A little bit of salt and pepper. Lovely. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds so good. I actually used to make stuff aubergine as well, and I haven't made yeah. it in a very long time. Oh, you I do would... that sometimes. You find something you really enjoy, and then you forget all about it, and then it's nice to bring it back in again. Would cooking be maybe a good way of, of helping to improve our relationship with food and eating? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's something, um, like I'm not a fantastic cook at all, but it is something that I do find quite therapeutic um, to do. And I think that for many people now, we we have lost the ability to know how to cook 
as well and and when we feel like we're not good at something and we can't do something again this is where convenience then um sort of takes over but absolutely learning even just some simple nutritious recipes is really helpful and you know i'll often guide clients into doing things like even getting a slow cooker you know and, and trying to create just some simple recipes um using their slow cooker that they feel that they're then organized and that they have some simple and easy meals you know ready for them when they get home in the evening time but yeah absolutely trying to find pleasure in cooking um but in a way that isn't doesn't feel too overwhelming is really important as well I love the idea of slow cooker. I am so glad yeah, you brought it up. I'm obsessed. <laughs> Which I think it's the best kitchen invention ever, yeah. especially for parents with children who really don't have the time to be standing around yeah. for hours every day cooking. Mm-hmm. It's literally just spending half an hour every day or just even every other day. In, yeah. Throw something in a slow cooker, you wake up in the morning done. Yeah, well, it's great for me because I'm not a brilliant cook, but actually, you just seem to be able to throw anything into the slow cooker and it seems to taste amazing. <laughs> I know. No matter what goes in it, so I'm I'm all for that. So I'm all for slow cookers. Just a few spices, few herbs, and it always yeah. somehow turns yeah. out Tastes really good. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Claire, um, thank you very much for all the helpful information and and for the recipe. Oh my God, stuffed aubergine. You're if people would like to get in touch with you, whether it's for a consultation or or any maybe concerns around their own. Mm-hmm. Um, health um, relationship with food they may have where can they get you how can they book an appointment uh, well my facebook page is etology um, my website is etology www.etology.co.uk um, or i can be emailed at claire at etology.co.uk and one more thing to put people at ease because i know there might be some uneasy feelings around contacting a specialist when mm-hmm. somebody is going through um tough relationship with food or food disorders or, or any kind of health issues around eating mm-hmm. um could you tell uh, people or when they initially contact you for help what can they expect um well um like i said when you are thinking about coming and seeing a professional i think always it's always good to do your research first of all um and just double check their qualifications and their experience um and that they are appropriately insured um personal recommendations are always good but just as best you possibly can just check out um their their credentials um and then possibly you know, I would always tend to have a phone call first of all anyway with clients uh, and it's a good opportunity um, to ask questions around things that you're concerned about, maybe like confidentiality and, and you know, and even asking what's going to happen in the first session, how long you could be expecting to go um, to therapy for, um, just any, any reservations you have, any hesitations, any questions, it's good to have a phone call first and ask those questions. And I think in a phone call initially, you'll also get a really good feel for the person and whether they're maybe right 
for you um because i think you you'll always pick up on somebody's energy anyway so i think a phone call initially is a really good good way to say do i feel like i could potentially be comfortable with this person and connect with this person um and then um generally i would always have an initial assessment first of all which lasts around an hour um and at the end of the assessment i'll always have a really open and honest conversation with the person because it's not just about i'm here to help them it's really important that the person also feels comfortable with me so um i'll always just do an assessment and then let them go away and mull over what's been discussed mull over what's been talked about and then if they want to come back then they can come back in contact um with myself but in the initial assessment generally we're looking at what their current situation is, what their eating behaviours, habits are, what their life circumstances are, how much stress is in their life, what are the, I suppose, the maintaining factors of what's going on for them. And then we will talk a little bit in that initial assessment about um, their past experience and childhood because quite often these things can have roots um, in childhood. Um, and so it's really a an information gathering session and then a conversation around kind of what, what my assessment would be, what observations would be and how I would propose kind of moving forward in therapy if it's something that they wish to continue with. But I think my recommendations would be if you are looking for help would be to seek out credentials first, get recommendations if possible and have a phone call with the counsellor or therapist first of all um, to see are, will they put your fears at ease over the telephone and be able to answer appropriately the questions that you have thank you very much that's been an absolute pleasure that's okay thank you very much thank you if you'd like to contact claire but didn't catch the contact details or didn't manage to write it down you can go to www.eat-ology .co.uk where you can find her contact details and learn more about etology and what Claire does. You can also simply email her at claire that's c l a i r e at etology.co.uk. You can also find her on social media at etology.uk. If you haven't managed to write down Claire's recipe for stuffed aubergine, you can find it on our social media. And you can even download it as PDF on our public Facebook group page where you can find it in the file section along with all the rest of the recipes we shared on this podcast to date. And if you enjoyed this episode or any other of our podcasts, please support us by rating us on iTunes or submitting an honest review. You can also submit a review on the podcast app that you're using or on the social media. And you can also like, share and comment and let us know what you thought. And if you have an idea for a guest that you'd like to hear on this podcast, please get in touch and let us know. In the meantime, have a great week, stay safe, eat healthy food without obsession or self-judgment and above all, stay healthy. Until next time. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot. Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.